Thank you for downloading and or streaming the newest episode of Recasted 2.0. I am Wayne. I'm joined, as always, by Jesse. What's up? Hello, Wayne. It is great to be here in front of the people's ears again. Tons of fun. Big episode today because we are partnering with our friends from England, the Field of Screens podcast, recast the 1985 classic Back to the Future, which I'm excited about. But obviously we got some stuff we got to get out of the way first. Yeah, we don't want this show to be three hours long. Then we'll call it a Martin Scorsese film. <laughs> At least it's not a Tarantino film because that would be awful. Yuck. All right. So first things first, obviously, make sure you're following us on social media. It's a huge help to us. You can interact with us on Twitter, especially at Recast a Podcast, on Instagram at Recast a Podcast 8, and on Facebook at Recast a Podcast. Plus, you can also join our Facebook group, which is called All Things Movies, and you can share podcasts. You can share questions. I know Jesse has a lot of fun with it. I think you typically post about a question a day, right? Yeah, I like to post something once a day just to kind of get our fans and our listeners really thinking, you know, sharing their opinions. And it's been very fun. We've had a lot of opinions be shared about all kinds of different things, whether it be your favorite actor or if you had to choose between these three actors, who's the biggest villain, all kinds of different options. And it's been very fun to see what everybody else is going to say. I'm excited to see that people are starting to post things themselves. Initially, it was just you and me posting things, but we've had some posts. I think Nick Paquin posted something. I think we've had Matt LaDuke has posted something. My sister's posted something. So it's always good to get lots of interaction. Like I said, if you are following us, join the group, post anything you want. I even tell people they can post their podcast. You want to share your podcast, just don't spam it like every day or something like that. But, you know, if you have a new episode, just say, hey, I got a new episode. Check it out. Yeah, we'll definitely generate more conversation, having more people partake and feel like they can certainly share whatever is on their mind, movie or TV wise. So it's been a very fun platform that you've created for us all. The part of the intro that Jesse, I'm sure, has been looking forward to is announcing the score from The Big Lebowski, which, Jesse, I have here that you won 28 to 14, so doubled my votes. So back to normal. We'd mentioned it last episode that it was just rare for me to win one, and now it's things are back to what they would normally are. Yeah, out of the Twilight Zone. I, I feel like I counted more in total, some for you and some for me. I, I feel like we're getting close to 50 votes in total, so I'm really excited about that, Wayne. The win aside, I'm very excited about how our numbers continue to grow for the votes, and it's very encouraging as our, our episodes continue to get more and more exciting. I do want to give some shout-outs, like we usually do, to the shows and the people who had voted for us on the last episode, because obviously they are what drives this vote count, and we feel like giving a shout-out is the least we can do. Starting off, obviously, Facebook friends and family, we don't go through the rundown because we have so many friends and family on Facebook that it would be tough to do, but I do like to give a shout-out to the podcasts that vote, and I'm going to run through the list real quick like I usually do. If I miss you, if I, if I don't mention somebody, please hit us up because I don't want to exclude anybody. So here we go. Your next favorite movie podcast, No More Late Fees podcast, Movie Drone podcast, Uncredited Extras, Riozident Evil, Drunk Theory, Mashley at the Movies, The Movie Journey, Vintage Video Podcast, Casting Views, Total Recast, Movie Chef Podcast, Binge Movies, Movies on the Way, Movie Pixie Weirdo, VHS Files, Film Rage, Walk the Cinema, Bad Dad's Films, Third Eye Movies, Bod World Order, or Boo World Order, I'm sorry, Boo World Order, reading my penmanship, Three Films in a Pod, Movie Mayhem, Pod Recast. So those are the ones who voted that we don't normally interact with. I've seen some new names on here, and I'm excited that we're starting to interact a little bit more with some of these names, which will get them into the special mentions feature that we have coming up. 
and the movie podcast universe has definitely been so some people may know that Wayne and I were part of Infinity Sports Podcast. And, you know, honestly, the sports world is so much more competitive and cutthroat that it's been a nice breath of fresh air to be able to jump into the movie podcast world and see how friendly and excited people are to hear our content and to provide content to others. Absolutely. So I did want to talk about some of our special movies podcast groups or movie podcasts that we interact with a little bit more frequently starting with movie wars i like to give them a shout out because they just came out with a new episode they had some health issues which we're glad that those are okay now but they are back to posting episodes and the newest one is what seven versus uh, i can't remember silence of the lambs okay silence of the lambs so yeah so they put the movies against each other they're gonna have categories they're gonna see who wins the most categories and that's the movie that wins the movie war so I haven't had a chance to listen to that one. I don't know if you have, but that's an interesting one for me because I think personally I like Silence of the Lambs better because of the incredibly dark ending of Seven. I had, It kind of hits me in the stomach. It was an extremely close matchup between those two movies. Always a fun podcast with those guys because they really dive so deep into both movies. To be honest with you, I didn't see the movie Seven, and you know they did kind of spoil it for me, but I did that to myself by clicking play. I couldn't help myself after so many weeks. I had to listen to their newest episode. But, oh, my goodness, Wayne, what's in the box? Uh, I don't even want to get into what's in the box. Um, so <laughs> we get into BFE. This is the Best Film Ever podcast. This is more one of my favorites than Jesse's. This is one that I make sure I listen to every week. And, again, it's a, it's a British show. We have a lot of British followers. And even when I was looking at where our downloads come from, a lot in England – but these guys, they just pick a movie. It has to have at least an 8 rating, I think, on IMDb or an 80 on Rotten Tomatoes, maybe 85. And then they review it. They watch it and they review it. Sometimes it's the first time they've seen it. Sometimes they've seen it a bunch of times. The most recent one that I listened to uh, wasn't Cool Hand Luke, I don't think. They did a new one since then. But I did listen to Cool Hand Luke, and I've never seen that movie, and it was actually interesting to hear their take. Yeah, it's great to jump into podcasts where you really love and enjoy the interactions and chemistry with the hosts. And whether it's a movie you've seen before or you haven't seen it all, to be able to kind of go through that journey with them is always exciting. Shoot the Flick podcast. Me and Jesse both like this one. And they did the little intro we did last episode. You heard a five-minute snippet from their show. Really funny. I love listening to these guys. I always laugh because I think that their interaction is just really fun on all their movie reviews. Absolutely. These guys, the, the, the married couple here, Scott and Frankie, so funny. They've recently been on a Halloween kick, as has everyone but us apparently, but they did Carrie, they did Halloween Town, and I did uh, listen to their older episode of The Shining. All very good episodes. They both have very different takes on what's happened in the films, and they don't just touch on new films or old films. They certainly mix it up. So uh, always a great listener, Shoot the Flick. When Harry Met Movies is a podcast that's been following us and obviously commenting, voting on our things, and I've listened to a couple of episodes. I mentioned it last episode. This is, I believe, father-son combo, watching movies, discussing it on their podcast together. And it, I, I love the concept so much, much, and I mentioned it because I have a daughter. I know you have a daughter. And I just watched Free Guy last night with my daughter. And I thought, wow, it would be fun to kind of review that movie with her and get her take on it. Definitely, yeah. Whether it's new movies or old movies, being able to see it from their eyes and hear what they are generally feeling about these movies would be a fun concept for sure. And I love that, you know, when Harry Met Movies, you know, is able to provide that to us on a weekly or bi-weekly basis. So it's been very fun. Uh, I know specifically to our episode this week, I've wanted to get my daughter to watch Back to the Future. Haven't gotten there yet, but, you know, I love watching movies with her and getting her, her take, her, her perspective. 
they did recently have a vote and they said, you know, which one of our movies is your favorite? And I had to go through. It was a really good list and it was hard for me to pick. But I went with Rocky 2. I don't know. It's like a 30 movie list. But Rocky 2 is my favorite Rocky movie, which I know flies in the face of a lot of people who like, you know, other ones better. But that one's my favorite. Yeah, Rocky 4 is going to be my favorite of the Rocky movies. Uh, unless we're, we're counting Creed, then Creed 1 definitely uh, puts up a fight. But for sure, uh, love all the Rocky movies, and uh, can't wait to hear more from uh, that, that podcast for sure. Quantum recasts have become kind of not rivals for us. I think they're actually kind of like in the same division as us, and we're like teammates almost. Uh, I love their show so much. I love the nuance that they have that we don't. I mean, we make it kind of simple. We're just picking casts in 2021, but they bounce all over the universe, 1980, 1997, and it's, it, it's crazy. About it. It's a really fun listen every time. Yeah, I'm dying for the chance for one of us or both of us to get on there and take part because it's very fun, the concept that they have. Recently, they did Ghostbusters, and they took it out of its origin year and moved it to 2004, and that was a very fun listen. I know you and I both listened to that. Had some critiques, as we always do for them, but it was very fun, and I look forward to their next uh, three movies. They're actually doing the Lord of the Rings movies, and they're going to take them out of their origin year in the early 2000s and move them to the 80s. So any 80 movies fan, you'll find some right picks for the Lord of the Rings trilogy there. And uh, they find that to be a good trilogy to watch as it's getting close to Turkey Day. Yeah, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. I know with the Ghostbusters episode, and I do this with all their episodes, is I'll send them some of my suggestions from that particular year. And I do the research too to make sure I'm casting a free agent or I'm not pulling them out of something epic. And with the Ghostbusters 2004, I'm not going to spoil who they picked. You guys are going to have to listen to their show to hear who they picked. But my picks were for Egon. I had David Schwimmer, who was just finishing up Friends. But I didn't know if that was too on the nose because he's a scientist in Friends. And then he'd be a scientist in Ghostbusters. And then for Ray, I went with Kevin Smith. I know I've used him before in our casting. But Kevin Smith, I think, has that intelligent kind of scientisty type thing and he's hyperactive which i like and then for the peter vankman i went with john cusack yeah all very good picks the 90s um and 2000s very full of character actors so seeing ghostbusters brought into 2004 was a very cool concept i thought they had some hits and some misses again like you i'm not going to give it away i hope our listeners will give them a chance and really get excited about their episodes as we do but i liked what their cast was i think it certainly could have been better but I feel the same about my cast every movie, so love their movie. I really like who Quantum Recast picked for the 2004 Ghostbusters. I had some qualms with some of them, but overall, a really awesome episode, and I really hope our fans get a chance to check it out. Yeah, and the last one I want to give a special shout-out to is the guys that we are going to be recording with today, and that is the Field of Screens podcast. Two guys, D. Kiff and James, they discuss sports movies. The most recent one was Battle of the Sexes which I thought was funny, and anybody who knows my uh, subtlety on such topics are not so subtle in private, but uh, I did message them some thoughts on the episode, which was very good as well. Yeah, I listened to their newest episode, not a movie I've seen, but based on the actor and actress that starred in this movie, I really love Emma Stone and Michael Scott. I think they really did a great job uh, explaining how these two portrayed these real-life people um, in Billie Jean King and this former tennis pro that you know was a bit of an entertainer, a bit of a jester, and between the two, they were able to garner some money and also some recognition for the females in that sport, and certainly a deep story about it. Very excited to actually watch it when I get the chance, because I'm a huge fan of Emma Stone. I, I've seen her in Cruella, Easy A, Superbad, and I think that she'd really provide uh, a great performance in that as well. All right. 
And that's all I really have for the shout-outs. I just wanted to check with you. I know you started listening to a new podcast recently. Yeah, the Dude Cinema, Ladies Guide to Dude Cinema. These are two ladies uh, right around our age, Wayne, and they are set in Australia. Two comedians, and what they like to do is take suggestions from friends, pals, family, as well as the internet, and take any male-oriented or dude, in quotations, movie, watch it and review it and give their awesome take. And I think these two have proven to have just really fun chemistry. They really um, have great timing when it comes to their comedy and their zingers, and you can tell they're really great friends. So it's, it's always a great listen. When I checked them out, they did Transformers. They did the butterfly effect. I've listened to them talk about the Matrix and Big Lebowski as we had done those movies. And man, it's it's great to not only hear a, a different person's perspective, but women in Australia kind of just poking holes in movies that I hold so so high in regard. So I mean, they they shattered my dreams when they crapped all over Remember the Titans. So, uh, but but a really great listen. Um, it's Becky and Alex, and I'm really a fan of what they do out there in uh, the Ladies Guide to Dude Cinema. All right. And then as far as watching new films, I know that I threw out there, I went and saw Venom. We talked about it last episode. I was going to see it after we finished recording. I did see Let There Be Carnage, and uh, it was all right. I mean, I said to you, you'd ask me about it, and I said, you know, if you like the first one, you'll like this one. It's very similar. It's not really better, but it's not worse, so it's kind of on level with the first one. So did that post-credit scene make you have to go to the dry cleaners, or what happened to your pants? No, because I think there was so much talk leading up to it that I kind of had a feeling about what it was going to be. It wasn't as uh, Pants Tent City as I was hoping it would be. It was very subtle, but it was still about what I thought it was going to be about. Oh, perfect. Well, I'm glad you were, uh, you're biting your tongue there a bit. You're not going to give away too many spoilers because I'm still looking forward to seeing this movie and the, uh, the trailer there at the end or the post credit scene. And as far as new films that I've seen, I did see the new iteration of the Mortal Kombat movie, uh, a lot more gory. I would have thought that Quentin Tarantino did this version. It was like Kill Bill meets Mortal Kombat. Another movie that I saw last weekend with my girlfriend was The Office Christmas Party. And uh, ooh, that was hilarious. That has Jason Bateman and Jennifer Aniston. We know they have chemistry from Horrible Bosses. And also has a few more actors and actresses in there that you'd certainly recognize. And I found it to be very funny. All right. Yeah, I know I saw a preview for it. Definitely seems more on the raunchy side of comedy, which is hit or miss with me. Sometimes like I love Step Brothers, but I hate like Wedding Crashers. Yeah, definitely in that same vein, I'd say. So I'm not sure you'd like it. I think you and I have a tough time agreeing on shows, which actually brings me into my next one. I don't know if you were going to jump in this direction, but Dope Sick, I talked about it a little bit in the last episode and has been very excited to watch it, even with how difficult a topic it is. And with us not really agreeing on things, how have you liked or not liked that show so far? I've really enjoyed it a lot. And to me, and I know that they're going to take some creative license with a lot of the events, which are based on real events, based on real people. But it's just mind boggling to me, you know, some of the stuff. And I mean, to give an example, I don't really think it's a spoiler. People kind of know what led to the opioid epidemic and whatnot. But just subtle things like, Oh, if your patients are getting addicted, the way to get them unaddicted is to double their dose. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. I mean, once they uh, showed that 160 milligram, I mean, my mom and I shook. We were like, no, you can't. <laughs> Look at what you're doing already. So it's it's insane. And I think some of the performances are. It's important to touch on. You know, Michael Keaton and Will Poulter, just a few of the names that are really providing some awesome performances in this Hulu Network exclusive. Yeah, I think Michael Keaton might end up with an Emmy for this. 
Oh, it's so good. I mean, just from the first time you see him on the screen to then seeing how we get there, because it does hop around a bit on the timeline. But after an episode or two, I think you really start to kind of see where the timeline is and you can tell who they're talking to, where they are. But, oh, man, the journey that this guy takes, it's it's incredible. And, yeah, I agree with you. He's definitely going to earn something or should be nominated for something. Yeah, so I definitely high marks for that show. And now trying to find another show, right? Because now I'm caught up with that. I'm caught up with Walking Dead. I'm caught up with Billions. I pretty much caught up on all my shows, and Better Call Saul is not coming out till next year, so I'm just sitting around with nothing to watch. So did you finish Peaky Blinders? Where are you at with Peaky Blinders, Wayne? Yeah, all caught up on that now, so waiting for the next season, which is going to be the last season, and that'll be next year as well. Wow, you just, no shows last with you. You're just a, a vacuum, a machine. <laughs> I just, I watch a ton of them, yeah, and because uh, I, I can't stop. Like, a lot of these shows do such a good job of kind of like that, that subtle cliffhanger at the end of the episode that leads into the next episode. Oh, that would happen. Happened to me was shameless. I don't know if that's a show you've ever heard of or uh, seen, but I would always tell myself, well, I'm just going to finish this episode. But of course, the last three, four minutes of how they finish that one leads me into wanting to start the next one. And it's a trap. It's a trap, Wayne. It, what's modern day books is it. So for the younger crowd out there, there's these things that were written on paper. They're called books and they tell stories. And I used to grow up without all the stuff that we have now. And so for me, I read, and this is not an exaggeration, I would read 10 books per week. And for me, that's how reading a book was, is I read Lord of the Rings, and which is three books. So it's the three three movies as three separate books, but they I read one of these like combined ones, so it looked like War and Peace. It was super thick. And I went through the whole thing in about a day and a half, two days, because every single chapter would end, and I had to start reading the next chapter, and so I'd be reading until four in the morning. One of the shows I've been recently watching was actually making fun of Lord of the Rings, one of the episodes, the kid was like, all they do is walk and talk and walk and eat and walk. <laughs> the movies, and here's the thing, and this is going to be, some people aren't going to like this. I didn't really like the movies because I saw them immediately after finishing the book. So I still had the book very fresh in my head. It wasn't like something I read when I was a kid. And then I saw the movies and... I kept saying, like, this isn't what happened. Hey, they skipped over a whole part. Like, what is going on with this? And so people who came out of the theater who didn't read the book, they were like, oh, wow, Lord of the Rings is phenomenal. It's going to get nominated for stuff. And I was like, it sucked. <laughs> you can see that with most book-to-movie conversions, though. I think, you know, any diehard Harry Potter fan is going to tell you that if they tried to make any of those actual books into movies, then you'd be sitting there for lifetimes. I mean, the fourth book is like a Bible. Um, and they certainly uh, leave out plenty of things that I would have found to be very exciting, but you can't fit everything in there, and uh, that's a reason why books are almost always better. That said, I mean, no book based, or no movie based on a book, but we're going to be hitting Back to the Future. Are you ready to go back to 1955 and do some recasting? I am, yeah, and, and where we're going, we're not even going to need roads, Wayne. That's right, we won't. All right, so let's do it.
All right, so we are now joined by the Field of Screens podcast, James and Dekip, the sports guy and the movie guy. Excited to have you guys on. Excited to be thanks. back. It's yeah, been a while. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we, are we your first returning guests? You are, yes, the first repeat guests. In fact, and yeah. as you guys know, we had to mix it up a little bit. We couldn't do it the same way. We had to say, all right, well, we're not going to do team versus team this week. We're doing 1v1v1v1. Cage I mean, match. I- I just love going against James, to be honest. So I'm, I was didn't want to take you guys on to again. I just wanted to, to have a go at James really this week. So I'm God looking forward to it. God loves a trio, DKF. Yeah. Yeah. Although I'm a bit out of my comfort zone because it's not a sports movie. So you know, we'll see. We'll see how we go. I'm, yeah, guys. DKF said to me because when we, you know, we said we were saying, oh, we want to do something with you guys again soon, and. I, I was like, yeah, why don't we do something like a, some classic? And DK, if we thought we had to do a sports movie, and I was like, nah, come on, man. Let's spread yeah, our I'm wings. I'm glad to do, uh, see you guys outside your comfort zone. You know, Back to the Future is an epic movie, and uh, it's certainly not something that we'd hear on Field of Screens, but so glad to have you lads on. I, I want to really uh, thank you guys for uh, stepping over here. Oh, we love it. And I don't think Dekif can say he's out of his comfort zone. I know this is a film that he knows very well. So uh, <laughs> yeah, don't let him give true. you those uh, those mealy-mouthed excuses straight off the bat. I was just gutted I'd already asked you guys to do Jurassic Park, because really I, I should have come on for that one, because that's one of my all-time favorite movies. But so is this, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, they have skateboarding in it. It's, it's sports. Yeah. yeah, that'll do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly right, yeah. All right, so before we get into it, I mean, I'd love if you guys talked about your show a little bit. Obviously, before this segment, we recorded our intro. We talked about you guys and doing the sports thing, but obviously from the horse's mouth, talk a little bit about your show and, and why people should listen. Yeah, so as you introduced us, we are the sports guy and the movie guy, and we <laughs> review sports movies. Your listeners, I think, will probably be sort of familiar with us because you are so generous with your time and you always give us a shout out, uh, which we really appreciate. But yeah, that's what we do each week. We look at a different sports movie. Yeah, we do. Um, I mean, we try and mix it up. We do like serious ones. We do slightly sort of fantastical ones, like you know, well, obviously we did Field of Field of Dreams, Early Doors, and we've done comedies and sort of uh, also, you know, we try and not limit it to just like straight down the line sports news. I mean, the the one we're doing next for our Halloween special, which is as on brand as ever by us not doing it in time for the actual holiday, we're going to do Team Wolf <laughs> next, which we're both. I, I'm actually looking forward to doing. I haven't watched it for a few years, but um, I'm going to watch it tonight, which is Halloween, so it sort of counts. Cool. So yeah, what we uh, typically do, I actually wanted to throw out before we get started too, I just started watching this show on television that was called The Dark Side of the 90s. And they talk about like grunge music, East Coast versus West Coast rap, all kinds of stuff that took place in the 90s. And when I was watching the rap one, I thought, I can't wait till these guys do Above the Rim, because I'm predicting right now the MVP is going to be Tupac. Okay. I mean, I haven't seen Above the Rim probably for about 25 years, but I was I was big into basketball in like the mid 90s, and I do remember it. And it's yeah, Tupac's in it. He's really good in it as well, as far as I remember. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen it, but it's been suggested a lot, so we it do has. have to do that one and and do it fairly soon, I think. Oh yeah, I'm up for that. All right, cool. So before we get into the recasting, I'd like to do a quick synopsis of the film. I used to use Wikipedia until we went to go do The Big Lebowski, and Wikipedia's synopsis was five paragraphs long. So (laughs) (laughs) I switched over to doing the IMDb synopsis, which is way more brief and to the point. And you'll figure out here, Back to the Future, 1985, directed by Robert Zemeckis. The synopsis as such. Marty McFly, a 17-year-old high school student, is accidentally sent 30 years into the past in a time-traveling DeLorean invented by his close friend, the eccentric scientist Doc Brown. The end. 
And it got eight and a half IMDb, 96% Rotten Tomatoes. It's an hour and 56 minutes, which is surprising considering it came out in 85. And wanted to get your guys' thoughts since you recommended it. What is it you really like about this movie? It's a stone cold classic as far as I'm concerned. So rewatchable, entertaining, it's funny, there's good drama, well acted. It's a five out of five as far as I'm concerned. And I think for once I can rate a five out of five and not get any pushback from James. So Correct. Yep. This is a legitimate five out of five as far as I can say. I mean, it's one of those that, you know, I, I've loved it for as long as I can remember. I was a little bit too young to see the first one in the cinema when it came out. But I did see Back to the Future 3 in 1989 uh, and I loved that, having seen the other two on, uh, on VHS. Um, yeah, I mean, I... Absolutely love it. This is one of those films that is almost perfectly written as well. Like I remember reading, I read a book by William Goldman, who's like, a, you know, he's written quite a lot of films. You know, he wrote like Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid and all the President's Men, the Princess Bride and stuff. And he was saying in it, you know, how they teach Back to the Future in like film school in terms of screenwriting because it's so almost perfectly written. The pacing of it is great. The way that they um, work out character traits and sort of pay them off later on. I mean, it's just so good and. We're maybe being a bit sacrilegious recasting it here because, like, literally everyone in it is brilliant. Well, that's what makes it so much fun. Yeah, true. And uh, Jesse, did you go back and is this one of the ones you rewatched before recasting it? I definitely rewatched it. It wasn't like an, an original or a first watch, but it's for sure one of the most iconic 80s movies ever made. Uh, it has so many tropes that you see get reused in a lot of movies. I mean, Great Scott and just, you know, time invention or time travel. I mean, even into Avengers Endgame, we see Ant-Man kind of make jokes about, you know, we just can't change anything or we can't oh, get the, uh, the the sports almanac. So there are ties in even as far as, you know, a year or two ago. And there will forever be tie-ins. And I really love it. And to be honest with you, it spawned one of my favorite cartoons ever in Rick and Morty. So Back to the Future has a really high place in my heart because of the epicness of the original movie and trilogy, as well as what it's turned into with Rick and Morty being one of my favorite made shows of all time. Yeah, for me, uh, obviously, I love this movie as well. It's right up my alley. I mean, I was born in 79, so a lot of these 80s movies, I got to see them you know, up close and personal for the first time when they were in the theater. And I do think this is a, a hilarious movie. I do think it has a lot of heart to it. One of the things I'm always confused by, and I think everybody who watches this movie, this question comes up, is why or how are Marty and Doc friends? Because they're not related, and there's like a 50-year age gap. Well, do you know what? This is We've actually discussed this very slightly on our podcast because um, we likened it to Mr. Miyagi and Daniel LaRusso in The Karate Kid. And I kind of just like that they don't have to give it some sort of explanation. I wish we could all live in a world where it wasn't weird that a guy <laughs> can be friends with someone <laughs> like that without us all asking like some questions, you know. But I, I, it all seems above the board and legit. It's just great. I, I, yeah, I, I, I try not to look any further than I need to for the setup of all these characters in this film. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's with the James, only friend though. that we see Marty have. Yes, a- true. Apart from it's well, true. he's got the bandmates, right? Uh, the my, yeah. uh, the pinheads. Yep, that's true. And Jessica. Touche. Uh, J- Jessica. Yeah. That's well, I, I just gonna Jennifer. say uh, Jennifer. I, Jennifer. Jennifer. Yeah. yeah. Well, gosh. Yeah, embarrassing there, James. But uh, I'm sure Wayne can cut that bit out. <laughs> but I was going to say, I was going to make the same, the, Leave it the in. same point. Leave it in. 
I was just going to make the same point that James made there about the relationship between Miyagi and Daniel LaRusso. I'm even wearing my All Valley Championship t-shirt today, which James got me for my birthday present. So uh, (laughs) as a little bit of a nod to that relationship. I don't have any Back to the Future merch, so I'll have to sort that out. You don't have a a life preserver because you think you're going to (laughs) drown? Well, well, actually, just on on that point, somebody here does have some Back to the Future merch that they made themselves. uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, I made a hoverboard about 10 years ago for a fancy dress party, but it came. It ended up looking pretty good. So it looks it, exactly like the real thing. <laughs> so it's uh, it's currently in my cinema room now, as uh, underneath my Back to the Future 2 print that I've got that was signed by Drew Struzan, who did the original artwork for it. So yeah, I've got a little Back to the Future shrine in my house. Nice. Wow. All right. You gotta you got to have it. Everyone needs a bit of Back to the Future <laughs> in their house, right? I think so. <laughs> so, all right. So, let's start off. We'll start with DKF. If you want to go first, we'll, we're doing Jennifer. And uh, yeah. I'll, let, I'll let you take the reins, and, and then we'll go around the horn. We'll go James and then Jesse, and uh, I'll finish things off. Well, perfect. Okay. Yeah. Well, as we just heard there, this character is almost so insignificant to this movie that James just got her name wrong. How about a ride, mister? Jennifer. Oh, you a sight for sore eyes. Let me look at you. Marty, you're acting like you haven't seen me in a week. I haven't. You okay? Is everything all right? So, I gotta say, this is the one that I spent the least time thinking about because she's almost not needed, really. I mean, Marty doesn't seem that bothered about getting back to his girlfriend. He's even looking at other women early on in the movie while he's walking out on a date with her. So uh, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about this. I went with Belle Powley. I've recently been watching The Morning Show. She's the British intern in that. She's quite funny and uh, she's quite cute and she sort of fits the right age. And I think that's as much time as I spent on it, really. I spent a lot more time than the rest (laughs) of my cast, though. So I can tell you it gets better as it goes on. Okay, my Jennifer is Mary Mouser, which I know may be coming up very shortly from someone else as well. I only know her from the Magnificent Cobra Kai series, but I sort of thought, unlike Dekif, I don't regard her as a completely pointless character, purely because I'm thinking of the sequels where she will have at least something else to do, particularly in Back to the Future 2. So yeah, I, I think she's great in uh, Cobra Kai. She's the right age. She's got that sort of girl-next-door look. Uh, yeah, I just think she'd be really good. All right, so uh, next I have Billy Lou Richardson. She is someone that is a, a young, beautiful lady. I've seen uh, trailers and uh, bits and clips from something called Five Feet Apart, which deals with her struggle with cystic fibrosis. And it has Cole Sprouse in it, who we know from Riverdale, as well as Big Daddy way back in the day with Adam Sandler. But she, as an actress, really portrays, you know, that high school look I'm aiming for, as well as being a really pretty young gal. Like has been touched on, not super significant in this first one. She ends up being more significant as the trilogy goes on. Wayne, who do you have? So for my Jennifer, who was originally played by Claudia Wells, 19 years old, she hadn't really done a film before this, just some TV. Like you guys, first note I have here, throwaway role, which is what we call one of those roles. It doesn't really matter who you cast as long as it somewhat fits. As long as I'm not casting a 50-year-old woman, we're fine. And I went through and I kind of looked at who I wanted, and I went also with Mary Mauser. Not only from Cobra Kai, she was an Alexander in the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day with Steve Carell, which is a really funny movie. I like it a lot. She's done a ton of TV. Believe it or not, she actually has 54 
film slash TV credits. Wow. And she's wow. only 25 years old. So I think she's probably done a lot as a child actress. But I do, like you guys, feel like just needed to look like a high school girl, cute, because Marty's kind of a rebel bad boy, right? So he's going to get a cute girl. And, you know, Mary Mauser's just, you know, the perfect cute high school girl, I think. As far as your guys, because I'll, I'll kick things off, I didn't really have any problems with anybody's picks because, like I said, it's a throwaway role. And as long as you guys all casted somebody who looks like a teenager, which you did, then good with me. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Jesse's pick of Haley Lou Richardson, I just think, has the perfect look. If you're just going on look alone, I think out of the ones that we came up with, she just looks like she fits yeah, like, straight into I, the movie. The issue I, I have is good. that... We, we're not recasting Back to the Future 2. We're recasting Back to the Future. And it was a different actress in Back to the Future 2. Yeah. Uh, and a different a different character. And, and you know, they even say, the, the writers, directors, I've seen some behind-the-scenes stuff where they talk about they wouldn't have put Jennifer in the car at the end of this movie if they knew that they were going to make Back to the Future 2 because they didn't want her in, in the plot of Back to the Future 2. Hence why they knock her out and leave her in an alley. And that's one of the reasons I think she plays a larger role in Back to the Future 2 is because they casted Elizabeth Shue and she was not going to sign up for two lines. So mm-hmm. they had to give her something to do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah. I have to say, uh, yeah, I like I liked everyone's picks, really. I thought the only one, I think Belle Powley, I like her look and stuff. I just think she may come off a little bit old for the role, but I don't know. Yeah, that was actually my criticism. First off, I'm not shocked to see Cobra Kai I'm here, you know, knowing the folks that we have on here, I know that I'm dealing with three people who love that show. So I wasn't shocked to see her ties when I pulled up Wikipedia. Beyond that, Belle Powley looks very beautiful and through her catalog has certainly played someone who date back in the ages, you know, kind of go back and look like she is from a different age or a different decade. So I think for that alone, very good pick. But I, I think the one note I want to make is I think that a, that pick is going to age because as your cast goes along with one character specifically, I think it just it ends up being a bit of an odd pick. Uh, but we'll get to that as we get to, you know, that character. And overall, no real gripes here. I don't want to say throw away because that would really tarnish any of these young actresses or the original actresses that played this role. But yeah, it's, it's last for a reason. Touch on Claudia Wells. The reason that she could be in two and three is because she actually left acting for a bit to be with her, her sick mother who was dealing with cancer. That's why Elizabeth Shue was kind mm-hmm. of brought in she became a very big actress in her own right and so you know ties everywhere but yeah uh was step away because of uh, her mother's illness um and actually voices uh jennifer in in the animated back to the future that they had done much later on yeah so oh, i see cool. yeah trying to make us feel bad about calling it or call it say us trying to make me feel bad about calling it a throwaway role because she had to help her grandmother with cancer or whatnot i still don't <laughs> feel bad bastard I'm, I'm, I'm a no-nonsense director. I just <laughs> get out No excuses sight. on this film, sir. <laughs> like, you're a glorified extra. Come you're on. an animal! <laughs> <laughs> but somebody who has a little bit bigger role, if you want, we can just keep going in the same order if you want. We'll start with DKIP again uh, on Biff. Well, actually, I figured since it wasn't due till Monday... Hello? Hello? Anybody home? Hey! Think but fly. Think. I gotta have time to recopy. You realize what would happen if I hand in my homework and your handwriting? I'll get kicked out of school. You wouldn't want that to happen, would you? Yeah, Biff. So just I was looking for somebody that was big and tough, could play a bully, would be substantially bigger than than Marty, but sort of had a bit of handsomeness to them as well, I guess. A bit of charm hidden behind the nastiness. So I ended up going with Will Poulter, who uh, I know 
you're familiar with. I think you guys recast him recently in one of your other films. I can't, can't quite remember. Um, Wayne probably and, has a few times. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so I, I know him from uh, Black Mirror episode Bandersnatch, which is like the Choose Your Own Adventure episode. But he's he's been in a lot of other stuff. And I'll leave some of his other credits for somebody else to talk about. Oh, I guess that'll be me then, because I also <laughs> picked him. Ding, ding. Yeah, me, yeah, me and Deacon didn't, uh, we didn't confer before we submitted our roles, but I've so far had one with Wayne and one with Deacon, so never mind. Um, <laughs> I also went with him. I think there's something about his like his face where he sort of looks like he's angry all the time. I don't <laughs> yeah. know whether it's like his eyebrows. It's the eyebrows, I think, yeah. I think so, yeah. Uh, so he, I he think looks he like lo- Sid from Toy Story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like a like a yeah, like a slightly yes. better looking Sid. It's like yeah, he's um. I think he'd be great as a bully, as a Biff sort of character, because he's like a funny actor as well. He's in like, is it We're the Millers? The We're one the Millers, Jason, yeah. Jason Sudeikis and uh, Jennifer Aniston. You know, he's done a few comedy things. He's done serious stuff as well. You know, he did Detroit, which is a pretty hardcore film. So yeah, I think he'd be a really good bully. I really think he would be, and I know he can play American because I'm pretty sure. Doesn't he? Does he play American in Bandersnatch, or is he playing English? No, no, not in Bandersnatch. But I no, think but, he has oh, in with the Millers and stuff, things. and yeah. I think maybe Maze Runner as well. Without getting into any criticism of your pick, I can just note that both Wayne and I have started watching a show on Hulu called Dope Sick, and it does have Will Poulter in it, and he does have a a very believable American accent, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. if you guys haven't seen it, I would definitely recommend it. I think it's been phenomenal so far and has Michael Keaton and Rosario Dawson, Peter oh, Skarsgård. Wow. So it's, it's very star-studded, and I, lo- I love it so far. Fair warning, it's a very tough subject matter. But yeah, that's where I, I kind of most notably know him from. But getting uh, out of criticisms real quick and getting back into my choice, I chose an Australian actor who I first knew from the newest Power Rangers movie. I am a huge Power Rangers nut. I love all iterations, but he's most recently uh, been in something I think you guys are familiar with, and that's Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. He plays a bit of a bully in uh, more than a season in Stranger Things, probably the better seasons. And he plays a bully in the decade that this generation, uh, that this movie kind of made its money. So I think, you know, with that mullet, I really like Doc Ray Montgomery. But if there's any other action credits, I'm going to leave them for my buddy Wayne. Yeah, well, I also picked Dakery Montgomery because <laughs> when I was going through, again, I'd seen him in Stranger Things, and he plays a very similar type of character where he is a little bit of a tough guy, bully, bad boy type, and I do like that. I do know that he's a little bit smaller than I would have liked for Biff. So the, when I first started looking for Biff characters, I started looking for taller people because they do make a couple of references in this film. First and foremost is when he grabs his arm and says, get your meat hooks off, and he stands up in the cafeteria. And then the second one is in the diner when Marty trips him and he stands up. Both times it makes it look like he towers over Marty. However, Marty is not at all intimidated by him. So I was like, I need somebody tall, but I couldn't go with somebody tall. Dakry Montgomery just seemed like the perfect kind of bully type fit. So kind of transitioning to into your guys' pick with Will Poulter when I saw it, I absolutely loved it because I agree with you guys that he he looks the part. He looks a little bit more full-faced, full-figured, and he is taller. He's 6'3". And after seeing him in Dope Sick, where he does the American accent, because prior to this, I had only seen him in Chronicles of Narnia, the Dawn Treader, as Eustace. Oh, yeah. And I was like, that kid? I'm not picking him as Biff. But yeah, <laughs> seeing him in Dope Sick, I'm like, oh, man, I kind of wish I had picked him. Yeah, I, I love the pick. Really no criticism at all. I think it really helps that he was recently casted as like a big Marvel villain or big Marvel character. Yeah. 
you know, people's you know, first and probably longest memory of him so far. Is, you know, the nerdy, geeky kid, the, you guys are getting paid for this on We're the Millers. So, <laughs> yeah, see, seeing him be full-faced and tough, it, it was hard to imagine at first, but he's definitely a, a large and more imposing and, and such a great actor. I mean, I've seen him in several things now, and what a hidden, thick British accent. I mean, between We're the Millers and Dopesick, I would have never known, but I listened to him do a few interviews, and it's, it's one of those hidden, thick accents. Yeah, I think he could really do it. I mean, I I have to say I did really like you guys's pick, Darkrai Montgomery. When I when I was like, well, I was like, who's this? I was like, oh, the guy from Stranger Things. The only thing I would worry about with him is like, I just don't know if he could do the lighter side of Biff because like, you know, he's he's kind of a bit of an idiot as mo- as well as being like a tough guy. You know, like saying this, you know, you're about as useful as a screen door and a battleship, battleship. Stuff, you know uh, uh, uh it's not to say he couldn't do those those uh jokes and you know make himself look a bit of an idiot but i i'm sure that he could do the uh yeah the darker bullying side of it no problem for me it, it wasn't somebody i was familiar with but That's i watched a couple of clips and i really liked his voice from a couple of clips of the power rangers movie that came out in 2017 that i found online i thought he had a really good voice for biff actually the only complaint I had, which you've already touched on, is just the height. Uh, and I just thought, uh, it's 5'10". I guess if you cast somebody short, you know, everybody's short in Hollywood, so you'd probably be all right if making him look like he's <laughs> six foot five anyway. So with casting him, my, my George is going to be a lot taller, and he's going to actually kind of tower over Dakar Montgomery. That could pose an issue, but I also looked at it as Dakar Montgomery, when you watch him in Stranger Things, his bullying has nothing to do with his physical imposition. It has more to do with just his, his attitude. He comes across yeah, he's as really good. intense. Isn't yeah. But yeah, so I guess throwing it back to DKF again with Lorraine. I've never seen purple underwear before, Calvin. Calvin, why, why do you keep calling me Calvin? Well, that is your name, isn't it? Calvin Klein? It's written all over your underwear. Ah. Oh, I guess they call you Cal. Right, Lorraine. This time I went for Anya Taylor-Joy, probably best known for Queen's Gambit on Netflix, the uh, smash hit chess series. Who knew they could turn that board game into a TV show? But they could, and they did, and it was great, and she was great. So I just thought she had a good look. She sort of... I mean, this is interesting, actually. Probably something we should have talked about at the beginning, but I was thinking if we were casting this, we'd be sending them back to the 80s now from present day. No... But if we're if we're starting in the eighties and sending them back to the fifties, I think either way this works as a pick. So yeah, that's kind of why I ended up going for Anya Taylor Joy as somebody else did. Yeah, that would be me. Um, <laughs> we, I swear we didn't talk about this before. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't. Uh, I, like me and Deke have both gone for like the Brits in this. Although actually, I I always think she's British because I saw her in the first thing I saw her in was The Witch from 2015 where she I think she has like a British accent because it's sent in like colonial times and she was brilliant in that which is it's really good underrated film I also saw her in The New Mutants which was truly the most boring superhero <laughs> film I've ever seen she's in the upcoming Last Night in Soho the new Edgar Wright film uh, that looks really good so I mean she's a she's one of those people a bit like Florence Pugh who's like a definite mega star in the waiting you know she's like She's going to be around for a long time, I'm sure. And I think that she would be able to bring a lot to uh, the sort of older version of Lorraine and obviously the younger 50 space version. I think she'd be great. My pick for Lorraine is actually going to be Rachel Brosnahan. She's on Netflix's show, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And in that show, she plays a female stand-up comedian who has relationship issues and drinks. 
You know, Perfect. I've noticed that in the show, in the movie, Back to the Future, we've got someone who has relationship issues and drinks. And uh, I, I really like, you know, the timeless fit of, you know, Rachel Brosnan. I could see her, you know, fitting all kinds of decades. And uh, Wayne, uh, let us know who your Lorraine is. Yeah, so Lorraine was originally played by Leah Thompson, and I'm a huge Leah Thompson fan. She's just so cute from the 80s, just right when I started watching movies, kind of had a little bit of a crush on her. Prior to this, she was in All the Right Moves with Tom Cruise. She was in Red Dawn. So she'd done some stuff. She's got to be pretty. She's got to be a classic look, right? It's 50s, kind of a cute submissive, but has that wild side that wants to come out. And she needs to be able to play. Here's the tricky part with the parents as we cast them. They not only have to play 17-year-olds, they also have to play 47-year-olds. Yeah. And so yeah. kind of finding somebody who you're not going to need a ton of CGI or makeup on to kind of get that look. I went with Anna Kendrick, who you know was in Pitch Perfect. She plays a college student. She's young enough to kind of look like an older high school student. I feel like in Twilight, she's Jessica. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. She plays Scott Pilgrim's sister. Uh, she just has that classic pretty look where i feel like she could play a 50s cute high school girl and then obviously she's 36 so she could also transition into that 47 year old mom i feel like yeah i liked that pick although i do worry that she might just be a bit on the older side of things seeing she's well she's basically two 18 year olds now (laughs) (laughs) well when i first saw the list come through and anna kendrick i just thought she was older than that but actually when i looked her up and sort of checked out what she looks like now i was like no i don't have any problem i think she could pass as a high school kid definitely in in movie land of course i liked everybody's picks here for lorraine my only you know small gripe is you know i I think people went a bit big and maybe that's because you know you guys were kind of crushes of you know leah thompson then but i think you guys went with some bigger names First with Anna Kendrick, I was like, oh, that's a big name. And then I looked down and I go, oh, my goodness, a megastar. Because I agree, <laughs> Anya Taylor-Joy is, is just a shooting star right now as far as actresses go. I loved Queen's Gambit. I agree. I mean, I know the game of chess and I've played it here and there, but I did not think I would be in, as enthralled as I was watching that series. Very on the edge of my seat for Last Night in Soho, just based on the trailers. I think she has a very stunning look, and I think... Uh, like I mentioned with Brosnahan, I think Anya Taylor-Joy really has a timeless look where you could put her in any decade and she would fit and she would look pretty. Maybe she looks a little young to kind of play that motherly role, but I think she could really crush it as, as any female actress right now. I mean, she's crushing it. So my this is where I get to throw off the gloves and just swing like haymakers in the, in the ring. Because here's the thing is like... Uh, I was lighter on Jesse's pick, so I'll start with him because I was a little bit lighter on his. Because with him, the character of Rachel Brosnahan or the actress, I looked at her and I watched her in Mrs. Maisel and I've watched her in House of Cards. She played a prostitute. And I can see her having the characteristics of being a 50s type person. But I feel like she already looks like she's 35. So it might be easier to age her than it is to kind of de-age her. And that was my only gripe with that pick. Whereas with Anya Taylor-Joy, I find nothing redeeming about this actress uh it's not even necessarily a bad pick per se i just don't like this actress Uh, i first saw her in peaky blinders and kind of she's not attractive to me in any way shape or form and yeah i just don't like her at all and so i was like if back to the future remake had anya taylor joy in it i would be very late to getting to watch it just because of how much i dislike this particular actress Oh, wow. When, wow. Wayne, when Wayne plants his flag, he plants it stupidly. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm just going to make a note of that for the next time we're on the show. Don't <laughs> yeah. use Anya Taylor-Joy. Cole, okay. Cole, Cole takes exposed. We'll see this later. <laughs> um, I'm really surprised, you know. I, think she's, I really think she's a great actress. But yeah, I mean, hey, look, each to their own. I think um, she's definitely got that sort of cute 
cuteness. I wouldn't say hot, but she's got that cuteness to her. I think and... she's really sort of like beautiful in like a really sort of distinguished way. You know, she just has a really individual look. You know, yeah. See, I think she looks like her face was Play-Doh, and they squished it forward to her lips. And so, <laughs> oh <laughs> my goodness, I don't really love it. So... <laughs> I just well, want to check. Is that is that a no from you then on that? <laughs> no, it's, it's fine if you like if you like that pick, but I'm not a huge fan. <laughs> Happens to Betsy. Okay. Um, Maybe we should uh, move on to the next one. I just had to take my jumper off. Because he did so much of me, man. It's crazy. <laughs> so, uh, getting on to George Dekiff, I guess we got the other uh, Marty's other parent. Oh. Uh... Hey, you, get your damn hands off her. You really think I ought to swear? Yeah, George, so I went with uh, Joe Keery from Stranger Things. Not the first time we've brought up this show today, and I'm pretty sure that's because of the decade it's set in. And as soon as you think of Back to the Future, you start thinking of the 80s, and well, obviously the 50s as well, but the 80s. And uh, Stranger Things, I mean, is like a love letter to the 80s, uh, isn't it? I mean, I've got to say, I only watched the first series, after that, it did just didn't grab me as as much, but I um, I like the performances in it, and yeah, I went with Joe Keery, who plays Steve. I just think he looks like exactly perfect for the role. Like he's got that hair exactly the same. I can see him swishing it back and combing it back, but I also think he's got like a slightly pervy side of him. I could see him up in a tree <laughs> trying to catch a catch a glimpse of somebody getting changed. So um, yeah, that's how I went with uh, Joe Keery from Stranger Things. Well, my go then. I did not go with Joe Keery, although I find that interesting. Yeah, finally make one of your own picks for once, mate. Jeez. I know. Well, who let Dekiff go first on this, by the way? Because that's like absolutely setting me up. Um, right. I went with also other sort of the maybe the male equivalent of Anya Taylor Joy at the moment. Timoth- I think you say his name Timothée because it's Irish, but Timothée Chalamet. Currently flying high in June on a you know, across the screens across the world. I think he's got a really sort of, um, I think he'd be great because he's got, he does have that sort of like slightly pathetic look that George McFly has, you know, he's really slight. He's got those sort of like pinched little features. I just think he would make a decent George McFly. Although I will acknowledge as per your points, I've let the reins go on the budget on my film so far. I'm glad you acknowledged it because Wayne was about to throw his wallet right at you. But if they were recasting, if they were making like, spend Back to the this. Future, this is going to be a mega, mega bucks film, right? It's not going to be an indie. So, like, you know, I think if they were remaking it, it would be a big film. We'd see some big names in it. Did Denzel turn down George? Uh, Den- <laughs> Denzel lost. Oh, my. What awful takes we have this week, listeners. <laughs> oh, it makes a change, uh, guys. So... <laughs> Just touching on George first, he's got some physical mannerisms. You know, you see him at the dinner table when we first meet George and the way he's looking at the TV and just moving himself and laughing. It's very odd. And, you know, you obviously see him as a high schooler. He's got some weird fantasies, not just the sexual ones like a peeping Tom, but he's like he likes dragons and a lot of that 80s sci-fi stuff. So for mine, I wanted somebody who could be kind of meek, feeble, weaker, and also prove that, you know, they like weird shit. And so I went with uh, <laughs> Christopher Mintz-Ploss. A lot of people would know him as McLovin, Fogel. He also played a, a LARP champion, a live-action role-playing champion in the movie Role Models with Paul Rudd and yeah. Sean William Scott. And, uh, you know, I, I see a lot of the same characteristics I see in George in Christopher Mintz-Ploss. 
I went with Andrew Garfield. He's 38 years old, and so he's right around that same Anna Kendrick age. He, I feel like you could age him a little bit upwards, a little bit backwards. He obviously has played a high school student in The Amazing Spider-Man, so he could kind of take on the George in high school. He is kind of gangly and awkward looking, so I feel like he fits the Crispin Glover kind of mold because Crispin Glover is that kind of gangly thing, and he's going to be in No Way Home as far as we know, so we'll get to see him again. That said, let me just say, so with Timothy Chalamet, I actually really like the pick, and I know that you know Jesse was talking about the budget, and obviously we have Anya Taylor-Joy, we have Timothy Chalamet, Will Poulter, who are all really good young actors, but I don't feel like any of them, not even Timothy Chalamet, has the kind of clout of like a Tom Cruise or a Tom Hanks where they can demand $25 million a picture, even though they're the hot name in Hollywood right now, you're still probably looking at a $15 million actor tops. And I agree that you know they're going to look for kind of bigger names to be in this blockbuster remake. So I do like Timothy Chalamet. I think he has a lot of the same characteristics. Joe Carey, I love for everything that you'd said there, the the wavy hair, and just kind of he looks very similar to Crispin Glover, and he's kind of weird and awkward as well. Now, when it <laughs> comes to McLovin as George McFly. <laughs> I think we'll just step back yeah. at this point. I, McLovin, you have it. McFly. Yeah. You, don't make, I, you don't make love it? No, I hate, I make hate this pick because... <laughs> Let me tell you something about this pick is that George is not a flat out nerd. Like he's awkward. He lacks confidence, but he's a good looking guy. He just happens to be into sci-fi. And we turn that into the biggest nerd in cinema history is how we're portraying this character. There's no way he has three kids with any woman, let alone somebody (laughs) as attractive as Lorraine. Like I, I hated it. Uh, McLo- McLovin is having sex by the end of that movie. Just, I, I, I guess you haven't finished Superbad, but he's definitely having <laughs> sex by the end of it. So I, I think your uh, prospects for him not having kids is false. But beyond that, we're coming from a guy that played Spider-Man is going to play your George. Once you get that Spider-Man label or that superhero label, I don't see you being this nerd. I mean, he's alone at the lunch table drawing and writing his own sci-fi novel. That's a nerd, Wayne. You can't say it's not a nerd because that's who you were. That's a nerd. (laughs) He's alone. He's got no friends to his name. You don't see him have a friend at all. He's very awkward. So, yeah, flirty nerd. Yeah, that's McLovin, man. I McLove it. And, you know, I'm going to touch on some others. I tried to buy into Garfield, and as much of a great theater actor that guy is, he's got an eight-pack, man. George McFly doesn't have an eight-pack. He will never have an eight-pack. You want to make you know these these you know dreams, or you want to think about what you know McLovin could or possibly do. Let me tell you, man. George McFly will never have a six-pack, let alone an eight-pack. But moving off from him, you know, because I'm coming at you guys too. Sure, we're Chalamet, ready. Chalamet. I mean, he's actually uh, American. He's born in New York. But oh my goodness, this has become you know the Avengers Back to the Future. This is the the biggest <laughs> <laughs> the biggest movie I've seen. I mean, the man just starred in Dune. I don't know if you guys have seen it yet, but you know he's nice basically spoilers. the he's basically the Luke Skywalker of Dune. And I yeah. I, I think that's even a non spoiler you know review is no, he's the fine. Luke Skywalker. I'm, I'm fine. I I haven't seen it either, but I mean I just from what I've seen or heard in trailers, that's the Luke Skywalker of that that franchise and i just think that's not what i see in george mcfly i see way too nerdy lastly i actually like let me have Carey. it i, I like yes Jake Carey. there we go uh, you know, I, i've not watched stranger things so i watched a lot of clips and i watched an evolution of steve and i'm just surprised you didn't pick dockery montgomery as your biff because that would just make their beef kind of you know ha- have it live on in another franchise here because they obviously fight they come to fisticuffs and stranger things i think it'd be nice to kind of see it happen again but 
overall, I have zero qualms with Joe Keery. Um, I think he does Ooh. have the, I think he does have the look, and I think you know he's a really good actor. I mean, I'm excited to see him in more things. Oh, that's cool. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that. I was just going to say about the super bad issue here, the the McLovin issue. I was not a fan when I first saw this come down, but I looked him up. That guy's had a glow up. I think by the end of this movie, he he could be looking like an attractive, handsome kind of guy. Oh yeah, Wayne did me zero justice putting that picture he did within our cast. He found the dirtiest picture he could possibly find. Of Christopher Mintz-Ploss. He's been in many other movies. I mean, you, you'd put a different uh, shirt on him and you give him some facial hair, and that guy's a stud He's a stud McMuffin now. I Like, well, you guys are being way too nice on Christopher Mintz-Ploss here. Like, I can't... I have to say, I was, I was actually going to defend that pick until you went in two-footed on uh, Timothy Chalamet. But, like, you know, you can't, you can't use the... Uh, Andrew Garfield line of him being like a superhero. And Christian Mintz-Plast has been like a supervillain. He was uh, Red Mist slash the motherfucker in Kick-Ass 1 and 2. Something I've never seen. Well, he's in it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he's he is the main villain in it. He's the supervillain. But yeah, I mean, I, I actually thought... Touché. He's he was a funny pick. I did like I did like him, but I think Dekif saying that he's had a glow up is really Dude, kind. look at the top really? picture on Google. Type in his name. I've oh, good looking guy. I say there's no glowing that is going to help him that much. I'm telling you. Outrageous. <laughs> he, he, doesn't really to, he doesn't really need to work. He just needs to get hit by Lorraine's dad's car. I mean, it's not. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't really win over Lorraine. <laughs> right place, right, right place, right time. <laughs> I, I mean, on um, on Dekif's pick of Joe Kerry, I think he was good. Although I would personally prefer him actually as Marty McFly in this. Just when I saw him, I thought I just thought he would be good for that. And I would say, like, he's Steve is probably my favorite character in Stranger Things. Like, I think I think I like I mean, probably like a lot of people, you sort of end up really disliking him through most of the first series. But then by the end of it, I'm like, oh, yeah, Steve, come on. And then he like becomes a bit more central in series two and three. So, yeah, I thought he was a good pick. But, yeah, maybe wasted on George. I don't know. When I asked Jesse, I said, you know, why McLovin? He said it was either that or Muhammad. So. <laughs> Um, read a fucking book Wayne (laughs) you can't put that picture on so whatever you do don't put that we'll all be in trouble there (laughs) alright so uh, back to DKF now we are on to Doc the top two main characters here how could I have been so careless 1.21 gigawatts Tom how am I going to generate that kind of power it can't be done can it but all we need is a little plutonium. Oh, I'm sure that in 1985, plutonium is available in every corner drugstore, but in 1955, it's a little hard to come by. Okay, this is the one I think I had the most sort of options for. I almost matched with uh, one of you guys, but I changed late on. Thanks to a little bit of insight from a friend of ours, a friend of our show, Neil Whitman Animations. He is one of our good friends, but he's also a massive massive Back to the Future nerd. You can't tell him anything about this movie he doesn't already know. And so I was discussing with him that we were coming on this show and we were doing Back to the Future, and he said, for Doc, he's always wanted to do Kelsey Grammer. Now, if you need me to list off anything that Kelsey Grammer's been in, where have you been? Anyway, Kelsey Grammer, the main sort of bit that I want him to bring to this is a little bit of Sideshow Bob, but with slightly less murderous intentions, I think. So that's my pick. It's Kelsey Grammer. Nice. Well, I also had a couple of options when I was doing this, and 
I came really close to going for Jack Black, who I think would do Ooh. a good... I think he would have done a good job on it, I have to say. But last weekend, I watched Nobody, the film that stars Bob Odenkirk, and it reminded me how great he is. I mean, like, he's got, like, a really good comedy pedigree because he did, like, was that Mr. Show he did with David Cross in the early 2000s, and obviously Better Call Saul. And I just think, he would have that great i think he could have that really good sort of um you know sort of really frenetic sort of energy and yeah i just think he would be a really great doc a great supporting star you know you don't want to overdo it on the doc because you've got to let marty shine yeah and, and doc brown you know from what we see really in all the movies but mainly that first one he's probably the smartest person we meet and, and probably the smartest person in every decade he's in and, you know, he's got a bit of a mad scientist vibe. He's got a lot of physical comedy to him. Uh, you know, he's always using his hands and his body. He's acting as his like, like his life is always in peril. So for him, I thought Jim Carrey would do a great job. You know, Jim Carrey from Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. You know, also from, you know, the Tales of Lemony Snickets. I got the same look from him with the, the you know, spiked out gray hair. He's got that weird look to him. But I think Jim Carrey would be a great fit here as Doc Brown. Yeah, so Dr. Emmett Brown was originally played by Christopher Lloyd, who you guys might be surprised if you haven't looked it up. He was 47 when he played this role. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I knew that. He's, uh, he's always looked old. Yeah. I, I was just because we've all casted like 60-year-olds for the role. They put, they put like makeup on him, though, didn't they, to make him look older? The they may time? have. I don't yeah, know. I'm pretty sure they did. I think the, the funny thing is in Back to the Future 2 when he peels off the face and he still <laughs> looks the same. Yeah. <laughs> 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 But yeah, so Christopher Lloyd was great in this. I mean, so funny with a physical comedy, like you were saying, and just the way he delivers the lines. And to this day, it's always a glorious day if I'm downloading something and it's 1.21 gigabytes because <laughs> uh, I get to shout it out. <laughs> but yeah, he was so fantastic. And so I put down here, he's going to be zany, kooky, kind of weird. He's got high, high energy and he's got to have some sort of a, a comedy about him. And so I went with John Malkovich for this role. I just feel like the things I've seen him in, obviously, Red, Con Air, and The Line of Fire, Rounders, like you were saying about Kelsey Grammer, we really shouldn't have to give a filmography for John Malkovich. No. But he's he's very, very weird. And even when I watch him like off-screen in interviews, he's extremely eccentric and weird. So he fits that mold. He doesn't always bring a ton of energy to his roles, but I have seen him do it. And when he does it, that's what's really funny is seeing him get out of that kind of mellowness into more of a hyper. It makes him that much funnier. So for me, I went with uh, John Malkovich. And as far as your guys' picks, I really don't have anything negative to say. I think Jim Carrey's fantastic. I, I love that pick as well. I think he's got all the same characteristics. I love Bob Odenkirk. I'm a big Better Call Saul fan. So I definitely love the idea of Bob Odenkirk as like a mentor. And of course, you know, Fraser Crane is absolutely perfect, especially looking at him now with the gray hair. I think that all three of your picks, I think, were just fantastic. Yeah, going backwards for me, my mom actually wanted me to pick Kelsey Grammer on our, our rewatch. And, uh, you know, I've watched Cheers. I've watched Frasier. You know, I, I watched him in X-Men as Beast. And, and I, I like him. So I really like that pick. Zero qualms with that at all. My only issue with Odenkirk is my own. It's, it's my own unfamiliarity. Uh, I see that he's a stand-up comic or at least has done some work there. And honestly, I haven't watched Breaking Bad. I haven't watched Better Call Saul. So that's on me and not, and, and not on you casting him. So I just I'm unsure of the fit based on my own movie watching history, but I do see that he has comedy. I just from what I saw, I'm, does he have the, the the crazy wackiness that we see from you know Christopher Lloyd? 
I'm not sure, but again, I don't put that on you. I put that on me. And sure. on Malkovich, I actually really love that pick, Wayne. I mean, the movie being John Malkovich, I mean, it's that that's just a peek inside how crazy and wacky that guy can be. I think we've seen him do some weird accents. I really love the pick, man. I think he could really do an awesome Doc Brown. So I agree with you, Wayne. I think across the board, we all put, you know, four very different guys up there, but guys that could be awesome fits in, in a redone Back to the Future. I say, like, I really liked everybody's pick here, apart from Wayne's, because <laughs> uh, because I really hate John Malkovich, and that's like that's like an Anya Taylor Joy thing for me, Wayne. Like, he's the type of guy who I would think I might actively avoid watching something he was in because I just can't stand him that much. Like, um, I, I would start watching uh, Space Force, the Steve Carell comedy on Netflix, uh, which John Malkovich mm. did, and I just like he does my head in. He's choose the scenery he is over the top and so i find him a bit too one note although i will give you uh conair always always got time for him on that yeah that's more my personal problem with just disliking john malkovich than it being a bad pick but yeah i thought jim carrey was a really a really great one i think he would do a great job he's sort of a little bit more in the mold of my jack black idea um and i i, I yeah i like kelsey Grammer as well i think he'd be good too so yeah no I, i'd be pretty happy with any of them apart from obviously john malkovich well i i think these are four really good picks and i say that with not having really made a pick because as i said this was my friend neil's pick my original pick for this role was jim carrey as well it just seems perfect to me you know he's going to play the wacky thing the thing we were slightly worried about was if he'd take it too far. But I think he's proven he knows when to rein it in. He's done some more serious things as well. The other thing I was going to say was in defense of Bob Odenkirk, he was the guy who was very nearly Michael Scott in The Office. And I think that kind of shows he can definitely do the the comedy, the wacky side of it too. Okay, that's good to know. I appreciate you uh, passing that along because I love that show. Yeah. He was a writer on Saturday Night Live with Conan O'Brien, and uh, during that Adam Sandler, Chris Farley, Chris Rock phase. So as a writer, he got to be in a, a handful of the bits. Um, but yeah, I liked him a lot. And I think as far as James not liking Malkovich, I think that you'd really love this interview I watched with Matt Damon, where they asked him about being on Rounders, and he talked about the anticipation of Malkovich getting to the set. <laughs> and everybody in the set was talking about it. And he said the first scene that they do is they're in the poker thing. And John Malkovich goes way over the top with his accent, and he's like, give me my money? <laughs> and he said the whole, like, every went into applause, and he was like, what? And John Malkovich told him to lean in, and when he got close to him, John Malkovich says, I'm not a very good actor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I agree with John Malkovich. <laughs> uh, all right, so that brings us to the main character, and let's round up. Uh, DK, who do you have for Marty? Doc, the, the, the bruise, the bruise in your head. I know how that happened. You told me the whole story. You were standing on your toilet and you were hanging a clock and you fell and you hit your head on the sink. And that's when he came up with the idea for the flux capacitor, which is what makes time travel possible. Yeah, so this is where I sort of, I've taken a bit of a risk, I think, you know, and, and maybe that's a mistake because obviously I've done it with the lead role. But, you know, I've gone for uh, Skylar Gartner, Gartner, I don't actually know how to pronounce his surname. He, his only real cr big credit is that he's in Ozark, the crime drama on Netflix that also has Jason Bateman, Laura Linney. Uh, he plays their son. He's very young. He's now 17. And I think he can definitely do this. Uh, I sort of picked him on the physicality side. I wanted somebody that was small because essentially 
Marty has small man syndrome. He doesn't like people calling him a chicken. He doesn't like people thinking he can't stand up for himself. And he loves getting into scraps with bigger people. And the character that Skylar plays in Ozark is very happy to take on much bigger and uh, much nastier people, despite his young, tender years. So that's why I went for him. The question is, can he do comedy? I don't know. Let's find out. Let's put him in this movie and see if it works. Yeah, roll the dice. So uh, for my Marty, I went with Tom... I went with Tom Holland. Well, I mean, you're going to spend big on the lead, right? But, like, I genuinely thought uh, probably everyone's just going to put Tom Holland because I couldn't see anyone else doing so it. So did I. That's why I didn't put Tom Holland. Yeah. Well, there you go. But lucky I did. Otherwise, no one would have done it. <laughs> so just for the sake of Tom Holland, the semi-obvious pick being out there, I just think he'd do a good job of it. You know, he's, he's really good in those Spider-Man films. I know he's done a bunch of other stuff, but really, to me, you know, he's Peter Parker. So so I just think he'd be a a great fit. And he's the right age when you look at him next to some of the other actors that we've been casting. I think the only trouble with DKF's pick is he'd look like a little boy trying to go out. You know, like his girlfriend might be more than double his age at the rate we're going. So it would be a bit, yeah, a bit bit of a risk on that one. So, yeah, Tom Holland for me all the way. Look at James not even waiting on the criticism. Oh, man. I've got to go knows, last every time. Because he knows what a boring pick he's made. That's why he's trying to get the, the hits <laughs> in first. Made, made the oh, right yeah. pick. Yeah, James. I, I was wondering why we all didn't pick the same. Did we all not want to challenge ourselves? Oh! <laughs> uh, so, so, uh, I do actually really Marty... like... I like Jesse's pick, so I'm not going to argue. Marty in general, uh, you know, I, I get a, a young high schooler that, you know, his voice is changing. He's got a little squeaky voice. He's got comedic timing for sure, and uh, you can see he's got some ballsiness to him. He's optimistic. He's also a skeptic. And so for me, I went with somebody from a show that I've loved watching, currently in its ninth season, called The Goldbergs. And The Goldbergs highlights a family in the 80s, and he plays the youngest of a family in the 80s, whereas you know Marty McFly does. Um, this show has been around for nine seasons, actually longer than uh, you know Michael J. Fox's show from back then. And he provides me the comedic timing, the look. I mean, he grows, you know, on that show for years. And so now he's 22, not wearing glasses. And I think he still has that kind of the quirky voice, the comedic timing. And, uh, you know, I really love my, my pick. of It's Sean Jimbroni from the Goldbergs. Sorry, I don't think I ever mentioned the beginning. But <laughs> Sean Jimbroni Sean, Sean from the, the Goldbergs. And uh, I really love the show and really love how I think he could fit. Held it back for dramatic effect there. I like that, Jesse. <laughs> just, just not say it at all. I'm going to make you guys guess. <laughs> yeah, for me, I went with obviously Marty McFly, Michael J. Fox. There's no uh, doubt about who played him. He was prior to this Alex Keaton in Family Ties, which was a really big role, and this was like his first big movie role. Hyper energy, always in like disbelief of what he's seeing. I think he's kind of a cool kid, right? Like a troublemaker. He's got a lot of courage. And maybe it's that Napoleon complex that you're talking about where he just feels like, like he has to fight to prove himself. But Marty just seems kind of like the bad boy of his school. I bet you he's kind of like Biff, except he's not a bully. He's just kind of like a rebel. And for me, I went with Ezra Miller, who is the Flash in Justice League. He has his own standalone Flash movie coming out. He was in Fantastic Beasts as Credence. Perks of being a wallflower. I just feel like he kind of encapsulates this kind of role. He looks like a high school kid still, especially playing the Barry Allen part of being the Flash. I think that's exactly what Marty is, is that character. As far as the other picks, uh, I did actually, Jesse's going to be disappointed because I actually like the Tom Holland pick. 
I understand it's it's the obvious pick, and that's I think why we all went away from it. We're like, ah, that's the obvious choice. Let's be a little bit more creative, you know. <laughs> but the reason it's it, the obvious choice is because it's a perfect fit. Like Tom Holland fits perfectly. Well, it yeah. just fits perfectly into that role. He's that character. He absolutely every role he plays, he plays that. And so I think that that's a really good pick. Sean uh, Giambrone, I, I didn't really uh, Giambroni, Giambroni. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, <didn't, laughs> I didn't really love this pick because I was watching the clips of him and I didn't like his squeaky voice, even though I know he does that, have a squeaky voice, very yeah, squeaky voice. Probably it's almost like it's enough. almost like Barty's, huh? So I didn't uh, didn't really uh, love it, and so I, I didn't love this pick a ton, but I didn't hate it as much as I hated Skylar Gartner, <laughs> who. Looking at this pick, I was like, "You casted like a ten-year-old to play Marty." He's like, seventeen. <laughs> he's, wrong. he's seventeen, but he looks eleven, and he's gonna be his. <laughs> and Anya Taylor Joy is gonna try to seduce him. Like, what kind of yeah. like child predator is she? Yeah, no, you can't have that. It's all it's Hollywood, mate. Get away with anything. Uh, do you know what? I, you know, I, I think three of us have made sensible picks on this one, and uh, but the only trouble I'd have with Wayne's pick of uh, Ezra Miller, you know, it's like. After seeing We Need to Talk About Kevin, I just wouldn't want him near any high school at all, at any point, because like he's he's so dark and creepy, and obviously, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but like it really ends quite badly for, for a lot of the other kids in the school. Um, oh my goodness! Just, An- another Ezra Miller film where he's a dark character. Do did we yeah. do we do we really think Marty McFly was a Slytherin Wayne? No, exactly. <laughs> He's not. He's he is funny as Barry Allen. I'll give you that. He's the. Oh, he's, I disagree. I don't find him funny at all. No, right. Okay, we're talking in relative terms to everything else in the Justice League, which is terrible. Obviously, well. we all agree. No, I, well, you know, you, you, there's the best of a bad bunch in that film. So the shots fired on DC. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think he'd be. Too, I kind of like Sean Jambroni, but he's not very cool. I, I think Mike McFly is a pretty cool guy. So. Obviously. He's so cool, you can't tell me his second friend's name. His second friend's name? He doesn't need any friends, he's that cool. Yeah, he's so cool, his his grandfather's his friend. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, he plays he plays electric guitar, You do, well, that's unscapable. He, he play, well, plays mean? it horribly, where does he play that guitar? And too good? loud, too damn loud. <laughs> Anytime we uh... see him playing the guitar, it's awful. <laughs> He, he wants to. He wants to be cool, and that's Sean J. Brony. That's Adam Goldberg. Because he wants to be cool, but he, he's never as cool as he thinks he is. Well, I think you're confused just because Adam Goldberg wants to be Marty McFly. It doesn't mean that you know it's the right. He wants to be Darth Vader. He wants to be. He wants to be Rambo. <laughs> he wants to be everybody in the '80s. <laughs> I do really like him in the Goldbergs, but he's no Mike Mike. He's no Martin McFly. Right. Well, his, oh, his Scarlett Gardner. Yeah, he's eleven. Yeah. yeah well, I here's mean, where just, I revealed my. This is my masterstroke, okay? So the masterstroke behind casting Skylar Gartner is that I am being true to the original of Back to the Future. And actually, what I'm going to do is, after about two weeks of filming, a la Eric Stoltz, I'm going to sack <laughs> Skylar Gartner and get in Tom Holland, who's the guy I wanted all along anyway. <laughs> okay, I'm with DK for now, that's fine. Yeah, so I guess that's our cast, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We're going to put the image up there after this post. You guys can listen to it first, then get to see everybody side by side, including McLovin, which one of these things is not like the other. And (laughs) it'll just be a fun game, so hopefully you guys can check it out. Do do we have any almost, Wayne, or do you guys have any almost? Because I have a a few. Yeah, yeah, I've got some almost, too. I'm happy to go. Okay, yeah, well, uh, as we said, Tom Holland was uh, an almost... Jim Carrey was an almost. I also uh, had John Lithgow as a potential for uh, Doc Brown, and Bo Burnham. I was considering for the role of George as well, although 
you know, I, I don't know how much serious acting he's done, although I guess this isn't serious. I mean, I know he's been in like Key and Peele and, and other things as well. So uh, he could definitely do the comedy side. Yeah, I think my main alternate that I had was, like I said, was Jack Black. I really do think he'd be pretty cool as uh, Doc Emmett Brown. Um, he's probably about the right age. You know, well, you know, if you're talking about the same as Christopher Lloyd. I, I did have one extra pick because originally we weren't sure where we if we were going to do Jennifer or Mrs. Strickland. And if we did Mrs. Strickland, I think I would go for Michael Rooker. That would definitely. Oh, be a I good thought one. of Mark, Mark Strong for uh, for uh, uh, Strickland, who uh, oh, is Merlin in Kingsman. Uh, right. For Strickland, if we were, if we were going to do that one, I actually talked about this with Wayne. I was going to take Billy Zane. You know, his current bald oh, status nice. and put him in there. And it'd be a nice tie-in because he did play in the movie as one of Biff's yeah, little gang yeah. members. Yeah, so. love that. Love that. So as an almost for Marty, I have Ty Simpkins. And uh, you'd know him from uh, the awful Iron Man 3 movie um, as, you know, the I young kid there. I about him too. And um, World. An almost for Doc, I have Owen Wilson. If you guys watch Loki, I think, you know, just another guy that fucks around with time. Plus, I think with the gray hair now, he could also provide the comedy and, and the physical comedy and, and mannerisms. If I wasn't going to go Christopher Mintz Ploss, which I'm very glad I did, uh, I was going to go with uh, Freddie Highmore as my George. And uh, almost for Lorraine, which I, I think maybe I should have based on you guys' superstar picks, I almost picked Elizabeth Olsen. I think she also okay. has that, that, that timeless look. And uh, mm-hmm. lastly here uh, for uh, Biff, I almost went with Tanner Buchanan. I almost dipped into the uh, Cobra Kai uh, pool that you guys live in. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So for me, I just had one. I had for Lorraine. I had almost casted Lily Collins. Uh, you know, was Emily in yeah. Paris? She was Mortal Instruments. Uh, I know her most probably from the Blind Side. She played the daughter Lily, or no, Collins. She played Collins was the daughter's name. But that's it. Other than that, everybody else like because for me when I do the almost recast, it's like for her, I actually had her casted and then changed it before I submitted. I mean, not right before, but like, so that, to me, that was the almost, but uh, there are a bunch of people I consider for different roles, but that was probably the, the only one that I came close to. The, the only other thing I was going to mention, which is uh, just a little fun thing that I thought I noticed was it would have been nice to have uh, Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, both uh, in the Back to the Future franchise, because of course, <laughs> the other Spider-Man is in Back to the Future too. Am I right in that? No, no I'm thinking, not, the You're thinking of Elijah yeah, Wood. Yeah, I'm thinking of Elijah Wood. This oh, is get it right. Said to me the yep. other day, and confusing, I was like, confused Frodo with uh, Sp- no, Spider Man. Yeah, somebody said this to me the other day, and I just instantly went, "Oh yeah, of course, the other Spider Man." And then now, as I was saying it, oh. my big final closing point, I've realised it's wrong. So forget <laughs> leave it. it in, forget Wayne. that. Leave yeah, it leave in. it in. Leave it in. <laughs> uh, before we do go, I just wanted to uh, have Wayne touch on Crispin Glover, who did play George. You know, he was in the first movie, but I'm, I'm sure you guys know and the internet knows he wasn't yeah. in the second and third. Yeah. And, and Wayne had mentioned how big of, of a kind of a revelation and lawsuit that was for Crispin Glover and for actors after him. So, mm. Wayne, do you, do you have any other information you can share about Crispin Glover not being in the second and third? Yeah, so I, I don't know exactly the reason that he opted out of the contract, but he wasn't in the film and they superimposed him into the, the movie. So in the second one, you do actually get to see Crispin Glover in it, but it was without his permission. And so he sued the studio and it was really a groundbreaking lawsuit because now you are not allowed to use the likeness or image of anybody without their permission. And so that was all because of Crispin Glover, because before that you could. Yeah, they used his mold, the mold that they had used for when he was an older, you know, George McFly. They used that same mold and put it on the actor, which I can't say the actor that played George McFly in the second and third. No, me neither. No, no. But I'd say fair, fair play Crispin Glover, because that's a bit weird. Just to yeah, put him in a movie that he's not in. He did screw his own career with that, though. 
Yeah, I mean, well, anytime you challenge Hollywood, right, you're, you're kind of taking your career into your own hands. But even so, I mean, Crispin Glover, I still like him. I watched American Gods. He was in that. I thought he was really good in that. Yeah, he's been very weird and wacky. I mean, I I was watching some highlights of him the other night, and him and Charlie's Angels, where he's like oh, sniffing yeah. Drew Barrymore's hair. I mean, he's just yeah. he's always a weird and wacky dude. I mean, he has some music videos he's created himself, where he's certainly most definitely on acid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I only I always think of him from Charlie's Angels. He's super creepy and weird in that. Well, even the the movie Willard, uh, he was very very dark and weird. And I thought this isn't really like acting. He's just a documentary about his life. I think. So. <laughs> Right, it's just him being weird. <laughs> but yeah, that said, uh, again, I, I want to really thank the Field of Screen guys uh, for joining us. It was a lot of fun to recast Back to the Future with you. It's Always been great. fun, Thanks guys. Thank much. you. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It's great. So uh, we agree Tom Holland, right? We all agree Tom Holland, even though you guys are just being difficult. Uh, not difficult. I said to Jesse, I said, I feel like we're kind of being <laughs> snobby almost, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Come on, it's Tom Holland. Come yeah. on, everyone. Tom Holland had actually mentioned he based his Peter, Par- his Peter Parker on Marty McFly. And, you know, it, it, so it, it makes so much sense. And, I mean, there's I sent a clip to Wayne that actually is a deep fake of Tom Holland as Marty McFly and has Robert, De Niro, <laughs> Robert, Robert Downey Jr. as Doc. And uh, it's actually really good. And there's another deep fake one that I saw as Jim Carrey as Doc. So some really good inspirational stuff out there. But I think overall... You're not going to find a better recasting than on this episode. Probably a mixed mosh of all of us, but super fun and, and uh, new for us to have, you know, another show and, and, you know, for us to be joined by you and go 1v1v1. It was challenging and fun, so thank you. Yeah, Fatal 4-Way. I, I enjoyed it very much. Cool. So, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, vote on when we put the cast out there. Let us know who's you like. We've got a lot more choices now. And make sure uh, to visit FOS underscore pod on Twitter and start following the field of screens, guys, and listening to them. You won't regret it. Make sure also to comment and like on iTunes or whatnot. I started listening on Good Pods. I downloaded this app. And I can go through. I can actually comment on every single episode of a a show I listen to. And so I went through. I probably left like 35 comments for people yesterday because, you know, just trying to share the love. Doing what Wayne does, just criticizing everything they do. <laughs> they deserve it. They deserve it. You put yourself out there, you're opening yourself up to criticism. One stars for everyone. <laughs> well, five stars for us. That's all, folks.